Hey, I'm Jesse. Let's have a devotion. We're in Matthew chapter 21, beginning in verse 12. Jesus went into the temple and threw out all those buying and selling. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves. He said to them, it is written, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of thieves. This is the second time throughout a harmony of the gospels that Jesus has done this. Come in and overturn the tables of the money changers of the temple, for example. In John, the gospel of John, we see an account that took place chronologically before this. In John chapter 2, verse 15 and, uh, verse 15 and 16, after making a whip out of cords, he drove everyone out of the temple with their sheep and oxen. He also poured out the money changers' coins and overturned the tables. He told those who were selling doves, get these things out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. In this first iteration, in this, in this first overturning of the tables of the money changers, this cleaning out of the temples, of the temple, officials came to confront Jesus. And it actually set up the context for a teaching moment. You can see more about this in our series in the Gospel of John, right? Uh, a verse by verse study in how God lights our darkness. That was actually the very first study that we produced as JCM, the very first series ever taught by the Redemption Church. In this, in this instance, in this overturning of the tables of the money changers, there's no such teaching moment or confrontation. There's just Jesus doing what he does. And his statement is this combination of two ancient texts. His words, uh, his, his words, it is written, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of thieves. This, my house will be called a house of prayer. This is a quote of Isaiah chapter 56, verse seven. And then his final statement, uh, reference to uh, a den of thieves is a quote from Jeremiah chapter seven, verse 11. So he's sort of conflated two Old Testament teachings to rebuke the practices going on. So what is going on? Why did Jesus do this? People would have to travel long distances to come to Jerusalem to adhere to the law of God, to do what God had required them. Remember, even as the gospel narratives unfold, the Old Testament law is still presiding. It is expiring by the minute. Right? It's about to be fulfilled in Jesus. But Jesus would tell people to go and make the necessary sacrifices. He healed a man of leprosy and told him to present him to the priest in accordance with what was required by the Old Testament law. This was still presiding. And so people were still acting out of obedience to what the word of God had told them to go to Jerusalem. But not everybody could afford to sacrifice a lamb, for example. And so doves were a suitable sacrifice for those who could not afford a lamb. People capitalized on this. They would usually set up on the outskirts, but evidently they were now set up in the court of the Gentiles. This is a large area, covered a lot of acreage around the temple, but they would turn it into a money-making opportunity. There's something else as well. You could not use Roman coins in order to purchase your sacrifices because they, couldn't, they were not acceptable in the context of the temple because they had pagan idols engraved on them. The only kind of gold that could have been used was Tyrian gold. And so these money changers would help you exchange, like the currency exchange at the airport. You could exchange your Roman coinage that had a pagan idol inscribed on it for 
Tyrian coinage that had no such inscription that could be used to purchase these sacrifices, but in, in the process, they would charge a fee. They would, they would skim off the top and exchange people's currency for them. So they were sort of acting as gatekeepers, standing in the way of worship and making money at the door. It would be like charging admission to get into church. And moreover, charging admission at an exorbitant rate that makes you filthy rich in a time wherein you were required by God strictly to come and make this sacrifice. You had no choice. The only way for you to obey God was to get through these guys. I mean, if, if you could bring your own lamb, you're great. You're good to go. But oftentimes people would just use these for convenience. So not only were the people who were setting up this you know, these enterprises capitalizing on the worship of God, effectively charging admission, as it were, to come in and worship. Nobody's ever going to charge admission to the Redemption Church, okay? Uh, but he's also, he's also rebuking people who were taking advantage of those services even, right? The, both the money changers with all of their, uh, their coins, he pours out the coinage in the John 2 account. He overturns the tables of the money changers in, in, uh, in both occasions, both the, Math, the John 2 account and in the Matthew 21 account. But he's also rebuking people who had turned this act of worship as prescribed by God into a service of convenience. They weren't they, they weren't bringing doves from home. They weren't bringing from their own flock. They were just purchasing stuff when they arrived there and doing so at a fee rather than actually coming in and making the sacrifice. If, if they would keep a lamb from home that was spotless and met all the requirements required by the law of Moses, then this lamb would have been with them for a while. They would have even become attached to it. And so it's a sad moment uh, when the lamb is slaughtered there at, uh, at, at the temple in observation of what God had prescribed in the law of Moses. But this was a sacrifice that did not mean much to them. And so it stripped their worship, really, of an authentic sacrifice. It's it's righteous of Jesus to do this. Obviously, it's righteous of Jesus to call upon the prophet Isaiah and the prophet Jeremiah in this singular statement to, to say that it is written, my house will be called a house of prayer, right? And, I, and Isaiah chapter 56, verse seven, when we get to our study in Isaiah toward the end, we're gonna come back to this moment. We're gonna, re, we're gonna revisit these overturnings of the, uh, of the money changers tables and see how this was prophesied long ago. It was decreed by God. It is, it is established by God that his house is to be a house of prayer. And that goes all the way back to Isaiah, 700 years before the birth of Christ. It made it impossible for this to be a house of prayer because of, it was basically this giant, this giant, you know, mercantile station. Moreover, they had turned it into a den of thieves because of the predatory nature of these people. Like if you have a family that traveled a long way to come to Jerusalem to make their sacrifice and you charge them a premium that is exorbitant on the sacrifices that they need to obey God, you're stealing from these people and you're stealing from God. What, that, what, would, have been, what would have gone toward the temple is now going toward these people with this enterprise that's setting up, like charging admission to get into church. If you set up a toll booth at the front door of the church and you charge an exorbitant rate. So Jesus was right, of course, to do this. It speaks to the integrity of the worship experience, particularly in the Old Testament context, but you better believe now as the Old Testament's expiring, he feels the same passion for the integrity of the church itself today. So Jesse, what does that indicate about 
Christian businesses, how are these to function? Right? Is it wrong, for example, for Lifeway to charge money for Bible studies? For that matter, Jesse, you're sitting there right now at a table that has books that you yourself have written, right, that cost money. First of all, these things are, the, the price for the printed version is established by Amazon. It covers the printing cost. Uh, these are nonprofit organizations wherein whatever it earns goes back into the organization itself and it serves a religious function. No one, you don't have to buy JCM Bible studies to do church. You don't have to buy Lifeway Bible studies to do church. You don't have to, you don't have to buy any curriculum. These are supplemental. What's happening in this context is elemental. It is the very center of Old Testament worship. It is exactly what God required them to do, but they had turned it into an enterprise to charge admission to it. So yeah, you, you, could, you could be okay, you know, without curricula. And for that matter, I mean, everything that JCM provides is free, right? Uh, it's all available. And so these are things that people donate to um, printing costs just go toward that, exactly that, printing costs. JCM earns a, a royalty of $2.50 for every printed book that, that people buy. And so that's this not at all the same thing. Moreover, we give everything away for free. <laughs> JCM has not made a lot of money because we just give it all away for free. This is, this is in the New Testament context, something that does, however, speak to the integrity and the forthrightness of churches to be financially transparent in all that they do. By the way, it's kind of impossible for a church to actually try to cover its books anyway because it's all a matter of public record. You can see, you can look up any information you want on any, not only church, but also nonprofit. You can see exactly how much they make and how much they spend. It's all, it's all out there. It's all disclosed. It's, uh, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty difficult in, uh, in America for modern day ministries uh, to try to cover up their books. You know? uh, so when you come to church, remember the zeal that Jesus had for the integrity of his house, that you would come to a house of prayer. You have come here to talk to God, to hear from his word, to abide in his spirit's presence and truth alongside the family of believers. Protect the integrity of the worship experience. Come not to church with a consumeristic mindset, and certainly not with a capitalistic mindset. Oh, this would be great networking for my business. <laughs> okay, do not turn the house of prayer into a marketplace. That is not why we come to church. Examine our hearts as we gather this coming Sunday and see to it that our intentions 100% are to go into the house of the Lord, to come into a house of prayer. Let's go before the Lord. God. We see, we observe by your spirit within us, we read your text. May we all be cautioned against entering your house of prayer with any intent other than to give you glory, to pray to you, to sing songs of worship to you, to hear from your word and be equipped for ministry alongside our brothers and sisters in Christ. God, may JCM forever maintain its integrity as it provides supplementary resources for churches. Lord, may all Christian publishing industries be marked, God, by full integrity in this regard. Our hope is that your kingdom has grown and the integrity of your church is forever preserved. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen.